from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. On today's podcast, we're going to explore the topic of kindness, a virtue that both Jews and Christians hold as a supreme value. I'm going to share some Jewish teachings on the Bible verses that we will study today that will shed some light on what is considered true kindness and what isn't. You may be surprised to find out that the definition of true kindness is not as simple as you might think. We will also talk about the reward of performing true acts of kindness and how these acts can impact our lives in ways we could never imagine. Before we get to the Bible verse that we will study today, I want to remind you that we are following the worldwide Jewish Bible reading plan, which takes us through the five books of Moses every year. This week's Parsha, or Torah portion, is called Shmini, which means eighth. The Torah portion just before this one ended with the seven days of inaugurating the tabernacle that the Israelites built in the desert. This week's portion begins on the eighth day, the day on which the priests officially began their service in the tabernacle. This week's Parsha covers Leviticus chapter 9 through 11, and as always, I encourage you to read it this week if you can. The verses that we'll study today are from Leviticus eleven thirteen to 19. I'll read them to you. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not to eat because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite and any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, and any kind of heron, the hoopoe and the bat, those you shall not eat. As you might have picked up, these verses discuss the kind of birds that are forbidden for consumption, or as we would say, unkosher. In general, this section of the Bible deals with the laws regarding all permissible and forbidden foods, what we call kosher and unkosher food. Now, before we go on, I want to clarify what kosher is and also to clarify a few things about kosher food. A lot of people think that it has to do with the food that is considered clean and not clean or blessed and unblessed. But really, what kosher means is that the food fits in with the guidelines set out by God in the Bible. And while Orthodox Jews like me believe in keeping these ancient laws, and I've kept kosher for my entire life, we do not believe or put on anyone else who's not Jewish that they need to keep these laws. Eating only kosher was not always easy for Jews. You didn't know what was in the recipe. You didn't know what was in the food that you were eating. There was no regulating body. But these days, the truth is, it's not hard to keep kosher in modern countries like America, where I grew up. I remember going into any supermarket and always looking for the OU on the package. You'll see this on a lot of American food products. It's a O 
with a U inside of it, and it stands for Orthodox Union. And as soon as I saw the symbol on the food, I would know that it was certified kosher by the Orthodox Union, and therefore, it means that it's kosher. And I could eat it. It was so much fun going through the supermarket and looking for that little sign on the food that I wanted to eat. I remember the disappointment when a food that I wanted to eat didn't have it, but I would move on and find something else that had it. And today, so much food in American supermarkets are kosher. And so if you've ever wondered what that symbol means, now you know. In Israel, where I'm blessed to live now, I don't even really need to look for that OU on the supermarket shelves because most supermarkets in Israel only carry kosher food. You will never find unkosher products like pig or shellfish or milk mixed with meat in most Israeli supermarkets. If you want to find those things, you have to look really hard and actually go to a specialty store for food that's not kosher. It's hard to find. But Even within the kosher restrictions, you'll find a whole lot of delicious food that's made in the Holy Land. And I really hope that you'll be able to come to Israel and try it for yourself one day. I know a lot of people who have come to Israel say that the fruits and vegetables, which are all grown here locally, are the most delicious they've ever tasted. And I guess that makes sense as they're part of prophecy, the Bible coming to bloom. (laughs) But back to our verses. You may think that the verses that we're looking at today are only relevant to those who only eat kosher foods because it's talking about all the different birds that you're allowed to eat according to the Bible or not. However, the truth is that these verses contain guidance and messages that apply to us all. We know that when we read a biblical verse, there's so much just below the surface that it's trying to tell us. You have to read the words, but you also have to listen to the heart. We're trying to figure out what's the underlying message here. What is God trying to tell all of us, those who keep kosher and those who don't, by this verse? And so we have an amazing teaching where the Jewish sages taught on this specific verse that most of the birds mentioned have obvious negative traits. Most of them are cruel birds of prey. The fact that the Bible forbids them indicates that we should learn not to be like them. We should be kind, not cruel. We should help others, not prey upon the innocent. All of these make sense for all of the birds mentioned in the list. However, there's one bird on the list of forbidden birds that seems out of place. In Hebrew, the verse refers to a bird called the chasidah. The name chasidah stems from the Hebrew word chesed, which means kindness. And so why can't we eat it? According to Jewish tradition, when God created the world, he brought every creature to Adam, and Adam could see the essence of each creature, and he gave it a fitting name in Hebrew. Those are the names that we call them in the Bible. So for example, a donkey, which symbolizes physical labor, is called a chamor in Hebrew, which stems from the word chomer, which means physical matter. And so the name for donkey in Hebrew literally translates as physical matter for this animal that symbolizes physical labor. How fitting. I also heard a beautiful interpretation of the Hebrew word for dog, which I'm not sure Adam had in mind, but as a dog owner and dog lover myself, this teaching completely resonates with me. In Hebrew, a dog is called a kelev, and it can be broken into two other words, kulo, lev. And what that means is all heart. 
I like to think that Adam looked at the dogs and saw that they are all heart. And that's why he named them Kelev, which literally means all heart. So if names of creatures reflect a creature's essence, then a chasidah bird named for chesed, kindness, must be a very kind bird. Why would it be on the list of non-kosher birds? The Jewish sages explained that the chasidah bird was indeed a kind bird, but kind only to those who she loved. When it came to those outside her inner circle, she was no longer kind. And what the Bible is telling us is that that is not kosher. You can't only be kind to the people close to you and mean to those outside. That's not called chesed. That's not called kindness. True kindness demands that we are kind to all kinds of people. People we like and people we don't love. People we know, people that we've never met before. It's easy to help out a good friend. But what this verse is teaching us is, can you go the distance for a stranger in need? We have to ask ourselves that. It's wonderful to be a parent or grandparent that gives generously to your own children or grandchildren. But are you generous to children in need who you don't know and you might never meet? It's natural to want to help a nice, sweet, kind person who fell on hard times. But can you be kind to an embittered person who is angry, who doesn't have a nice look on their face, but who badly needs your help? If we are only kind to those we enjoy giving to, then it isn't really kindness. We're simply making ourselves feel good. True kindness, biblical kindness, is when we help someone else without receiving anything at all in return. I remember I learned this lesson firsthand when we had a special Shabbat guest. You see, I like to have a lot of guests at my house. Every Shabbat for the lunch meal on Saturday, we have sometimes 20, 30, 40 people at our house. And it's so nice. The kids are all playing and the adults are talking and we laugh and we share Bible stories and different lessons we learned. It's just time to connect. And one time my husband brought back, like, like often, someone from the synagogue who needed a place to eat lunch. This does happen all the time. But what was unique about this time is that I didn't really like the person he brought back. The truth is I never met this person before, but he just didn't come in giving me a warm feeling. He felt a little bit outgoing in an obnoxious way. He felt safe, of course, because that would be a red line, but he just wasn't nice to be around. And I think my husband sensed that as soon as he came in with this man who needed a place to eat, that my energy shifted. I wasn't so nice. I wasn't so inviting. I wasn't so outgoing. I wasn't so happy to have him there. And you could feel it. And when we were in the kitchen, my husband said to me, Yael, we don't invite guests because of what they can do for us. We invite them because of what we can do for them. And suddenly, everything shifted. My husband's words extend to all acts of kindness. It has to be only about the recipient without any expectation to receive anything in return. Now, ideally, kindness is only about the recipient, 
But if we enjoy helping others, that's a good thing. I enjoy having people over for Shabbat meal. But the focus has to always be on the recipient. That even when I don't enjoy it, if there's someone who needs me, I will be there for him. And I won't expect anything in return. In the Jewish tradition, the ultimate kindness that a person can do is called a chesed shel emet. It's to take care of the person who died, to prepare the body for burial, to bury the body in a respectful way, to honor the deceased. Why is this one of the ultimate kindnesses that a person can do? Because it's the most selfless act. It's impossible for the recipient to repay the kindness. Sometimes we might look like we are being kind, and we may even think that we are being kind, but if the goal of our actions is just to make ourselves feel good, we've kind of missed the point. Real kindness takes work. It's giving physically and emotionally. It requires us to be generous both with our resources and with our love. However, while true kindness requires us to be completely selfless, it's also the kind of kindness that ultimately we greatly benefit from in the end. There's a story told about one of the great sages, Rabbi Akiva, who lived when the Second Temple was destroyed. The story goes that Rabbi Akiva was on a ship as he caught sight of another ship going down. He knew a great Torah scholar who was on that ship and he assumed that he had drowned. Later on, Rabbi Akiva came across that scholar and was astounded that he was alive. How did you survive? Rabbi Akiva asked. The man replied, it must have been your prayers. I was tossed from a wave to another wave until I found myself safely on shore. Unsatisfied with the answer, Rabbi Akiva pressed him. Was there some great deed that you did before you boarded the ship that you should be worthy of being saved? The man explained, there was a beggar who approached me as I was boarding the ship and I gave him my one loaf of bread. He thanked me and said, just as you have saved my life, may God save yours. Rabbi Akiva understood the man's selfless act of kindness ended up saving his own life. He proclaimed the words from Ecclesiastes 11.1, cast your bread upon the waters for after many days you will find it again. True kindness is like a boomerang. Eventually, it returns to the person who first cast it out into the world. I want to end with an amazing true story that I recently heard that powerfully demonstrates this idea. It was during the height of the first Antifada in Israel, around 1989, an IDF soldier named Gadi Rimon was shot outside the Arab town of Ramallah. The Arab gunman assumed that he was dead and he moved on. It was just then that a young Israeli named Shlomo Bergman saw Gadi on the side of the road. He picked him up, put him in his car, and sped to the nearest emergency room. As soon as they got to the hospital, the chief resident took over. He called for blood and trauma staff and wheeled Gadi into surgery. Shlomo saw that there was nothing else left that he could do, and so he left. Minutes after Shlomo left, Gadi's parents arrived. Several hours later, the doctor told Gadi's parents that the surgery was going well and their son would live. It was two weeks later that Gadi returned to his home in Ashdod. His mother, Tamar Rimon, tried desperately to find the boy that saved her son's life, but she had no way to identify him. 
She made phone calls and put up signs asking for any information that could help them find the boy that saved their son, Gadi, including at the grocery store where they owned and worked. Almost a year later, Anat Bergman, the mother of Shlomo Bergman, was visiting friends in Ashdod, and she stopped in at the Ramon family supermarket, and she saw one of the posters. She realized that the poster was describing her son. She walked over to Mrs. Ramon, who was working at the cash register, and asked her who put up the sign. When Mrs. Ramon said that it was her, Mrs. Bergman stared at her in disbelief. She said, I can't believe that you are the mother of the soldier that my son saved. Look at me. Don't you remember me? I'm so sorry, Mrs. Ramon said, but I don't recognize you. I meet a lot of people here at the grocery store. Have we met? Mrs. Bergman replied, 22 years ago, my husband and I lived here in Ashdod with our two children. One day I came into your supermarket and I was crying. I was pregnant at the time and I was about to arrange with my doctor to end the pregnancy. I was crying because I didn't really want to end the pregnancy, but because of our financial situation, we felt that we had no choice. You and your husband overheard my conversation, took me aside, and sat down with me for hours. You lovingly listened to me and encouraged me. You gave me advice and guidance and helped me figure out a financial plan that in the end, I did not go through with the abortion because of it. That precious child that I gave birth to was Shlomo, the boy who saved your son's life. As tears poured down both of their cheeks, Mrs. Bergman hugged Mrs. Ramon and said, You saved my child, and in return, he saved yours. When Mrs. Ramon helped Mrs. Bergman, she had nothing to gain and no selfish agenda. It was true kindness for a person she did not even know, and yet she benefited in the greatest way possible. Our job, my friends, is to offer selfless kindness to all kinds of people without any expectation of receiving anything in return. And yet, at the same time, we can be encouraged knowing that God never forgets our good deeds and he will repay us in exactly the right way at the right time. As we have been saying every week, the lessons in this week's Torah portion are intended for our lives specifically this week. By studying these lessons, we are living with the times. This is a great time to reflect on our acts of kindness and to practice being truly kind to all kinds of people. Can you offer to help a friend in need without any expectation to receive anything in return? Can you help someone who turns to you for help even if you are not in the mood to do so? Can you do something kind for a complete stranger this week? With every act of kindness, we create a kinder, more godly world. God is good to all people, and we are created in God's image, and so we should be too. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.